Welcome to Berlin. Thanks for everyone. Uh, we know uh, we actually have a lot of people who traveled here from uh, either other cities or other countries. So thank you all so much for coming uh, this far, as well as uh, thanks the rest of the team that I'm with for traveling super far too. <laughs> Um, super excited to be here in Berlin. For those who don't know, uh, my name is Matt Milstead. Me and my uh, business partner, Dave Koss, we run a weekly podcast called the MoGraph Podcast. Uh, you can check it out on any one of your podcatchers of choice. Um, but this is the Dat Show here in Berlin, and I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors for sponsoring uh, the entire tour and helping us uh, uh, get to every single one of these cities. Uh, first up is Dell Technology. Technologies. Big shout out to them. Uh, thank you, Dell. Also, Render. Uh, big, huge fan of Render. Uh, super excited to have them on board, as well as both NVIDIA and Tool Farm. So big shout out to our sponsors. Everyone give them a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> and with that, uh, let's go ahead and start the show. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is Dat. Um, super excited to be here in Berlin. Um, fantastic turnout. Uh, thank you to everyone who showed up. Uh, uh, this, this, the show was sold out, and we were so excited. A couple days ago, uh, we're just like counting down. We're saying, all right, only 10 more tickets, only five more tickets, one ticket left. Who's going to be that person? So thanks to everyone who showed up. Uh, super excited to be here. Um, I want to start off... Oh, by the way, this is also the biggest panel we've ever had. <laughs> um, there's a lot of amazing artists here in Berlin, and I'm super excited to talk to them. Uh, uh, let's start off uh, introducing everyone, and we're going to start from my side over. Uh, we'll start with Winbush right here. All right. My name is Jonathan Winbush from Southern California. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Hi, my name is Valentin Heinrich, also known as Huna. Uh, I'm a 3D artist as a freelancer. I like to do gradients and landscapes and weird machines and, uh, yeah, do a lot of commercial stuff. Hello, everyone, and welcome. <laughs> my name is Vincent Schwenk, and um, I'm from Hamburg, and I do a lot of things, some tutorials, but mostly 3D art. Hi, everybody. I'm Caroline Kattermann. I am um, actually not an artist, but a producer and managing director of Relative Berlin from Berlin. <laughs> uh, hey, um, I'm Anas Monsen, and I'm also with the Relative team as a technical animator and pipeline management, more or less. Hello, my name is John Erdogan, and I'm doing characters. So it's from A to Z. Uh, sculpting, rigging, and animation. Looking forward for your questions. Hi, I'm Andrew Kramer. I run videocopilot.com. <laughs> uh, no, I wish. Uh, yeah, I'm EJ Hassenfratz, and uh, I do things that other people on this panel do, but just not as good. But, uh, you know, I get by. Oh, you got Oh, fine. I you have don't my own. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ulf Onesorge. I'm from Berlin. I'm a long-term media craftsman. And I'm creating uh, production pipelines for industrial customers. Hi, I'm Philip Gusin from Novoto Studio. I'm a CG generalist, but also sound designer. And yes, part of this. Hi, I'm Christoph Stramm, the founder of Novoto Studio. 
a little multidisciplinary design studio based in Berlin. Uh, hi, I'm Anik Wenk. I do CG and Art Direction, and I work at Soundform Studio here in Berlin. Hi, everyone. I'm Dino Mohic. Uh, I'm an art director and 3D artist since 2009, working freelance. And since this year, I'm also part of Otoy as a product. Hello, I'm Jonas Pils. I'm one of the training managers at Maxon. And you are? <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Chris Schmidt from Rockalasso. You may know me from such, thing as, such things as the uh, previous presentation. So I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> So let's start off with this question. Uh, every city we travel to, um, I kind of start off with this same question. And I've, we've gotten varying answers in Europe. It's been very interesting to hear. In the U.S., it's all the same stuff. But here in Europe, everyone seems to have a different opinion. I would love to know uh, the industry as a whole in Germany or uh, in your specific area Uh, has it is it is it really strong currently? Is it struggling? Is uh, uh, what is the current state? If anyone wants to jump in, feel free. No. Who's going to be the one who leads the conversation? There you go. I, I can tell tell you something about that because uh, the stuff I do is totally different to the normal 3D work. I'm working a lot with business to business customers and not for the end customer market. And um, in, in my area, where, where I do this 3D stuff, it's um, more like you get um, uh, much more work to do because the, uh, the end customer build up their own 3D departments and stuff like that. And they uh, need sometimes um, specialized people that have a big overview over the full system, not just the specialist um, you, you need to be a, um, a good generalist to, to get the full production process. And the, the, the trend I see is uh, a lot more work inside of the company, not for ad agencies or something like that. Just they, they build their own environments right now for, for the industrial part and business-to-business -business stuff. So that uh, the renderings, you do renderings, you do 3D stuff and stuff, um, but they have um, a really strict internally um, corporate identity and design and stuff like that uh, that you have to handle when you work directly inside the companies. So um, they do a lot of stuff from the inside, and that is a big change because in the, in the last 10 to 20 years, um, they normally looking for an agency that doing the stuff and now the, the trend is going they build their own media uh, high-end departments with uh, damn systems like this digital asset management systems that use all the data stuff and um, they're building their own specific pipelines around their internal structures that is uh, what what i've seen and it's, it's a bit different from the from the viewpoint normally you get um, some freelancers doing a job or you have an agency that um, get the freelancers to do the job and stuff like that and I see a big trend that the big companies try to hold it internally yeah that is from my and perspective is that, is that becoming much more common for uh, uh, agencies to bring in the studio locally and just hire out a little bit 
from the agency part? I couldn't or, say. Sorry, not agencies, but companies. Ah, the companies. companies. Yeah, companies building uh, their own internal. Uh, uh, the last, the last three big companies I was um, working with, uh, they have this trend internally, but it's um, it's going from the. Um, Let's say the the medical uh, products like big big machines or stuff like that, or um, when you have um, engineering machines, when they build up the machines that engineer stuff, mm. so <laughs> uh, they they build up their own stuff and uh, try to hold the costs inside. Okay. Yeah. Yes, um, just just give a different perspective from from the other side, from the more like the freelance artist side. I'm managing a small WhatsApp group of like 50 artists on the local area, um, all from different types of motion graphics, 3D, Houdini, comp, and everything. And that already works like for 12 years. And like this year was the first time that I really saw like a decline in people sharing jobs, which usually just happened all the time that someone was like, yeah, I have requests for something. I don't have time. Will someone else take it? And um, at the beginning of this year, it, it kind of really went down a lot. It's catching up a bit again. Uh, I would say in the last weeks, it started going up again. So the people also have approached artists and asked them for different kinds of work and also um, multiple bookings happening. But at the beginning in the first half of this year was, I think, tough for many. And I also seen some smaller studios. Um, yeah really struggling currently um, finding finding clientele or clients to which they had before which just downsized because of yeah basically just being afraid of a recession or something like this but like I said it, it kind of seems to be turning it back up again in, in the last weeks yeah I can also um, speak from a personal like quite frankly um I felt exactly the same. The first half of the year was quite tough. And most of um, our freelancers from the roster of freelancers that we work with did not have any bookings. And that was the first time in years that we felt a situation like this. There are a combination of inflation and AI hitting all at the same point. So especially if you work closely with agencies, uh, we felt a decline there that uh, clients were not willing to spend as much money for glossy 3D renders. Um, funnily enough, and it's picking up again, we're definitely feeling uh, that in the second half of the year, uh, certain budgets are available to be spent and they're just going to knock it out right now. Um, but we found it super interesting at our studio. As a background, we do 2D, 3D and also real-time applications. And um, I was doing... Uh, finishing up basically the year, rounding up the numbers, and I love to see what area brings in what kind of money and the percentage of that to see what we're selling because we usually do mostly 3D. But this year, our 2D work was 50% of our studio's income, which is quite insane. Um, maybe due to this uh, lack of wanting to spend too much on bigger budgets. So these 2D projects are quicker to knock out um, with a yeah, with a smaller budget. So you're able to do more of it mm -hmm. uh, in a less amount of time, but you're able to f you know fill up the rest of the budgets or whatever exactly. with just more work. Yeah, but yeah. that was unprecedented for us, um, but it kind of goes with the ebbs and flows of the economy of, for us at least, uh, seeing what is the gap or where could we jump in right now. Um, 
And from also personal perspective, when we saw that ad agencies were struggling also themselves, now we saw many layoffs in ad agencies here in Germany, um, that scared us as well. So we targeted um, direct clients a little bit more. And that was interesting to see because they might not really have a 3D um, a 3D department or even um, 2D. That was uh, quite interesting to see how open they are for outside work. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to circle back to what, uh, what Ulf said because we also see that we get a lot more inquiries to build like tools for our clients and not not really deliver like your typical 30-second animation or stills or whatever, but we get a lot of inquiries to do like a design development phase to start off the project, to develop a brand identity for the company, like for a direct, direct client. And then like based on what we developed as the identity to then build a tool which we deliver to the client. So we, with a lot of projects, we don't deliver the design as like static deliver deliverables, but we deliver a tool which then the marketing team inside the company can use themselves to create like infinite amounts of animations or stills or whatever. So they can use that internally instead of hiring studio after studio after studio. And we feel like even though we still get in Christ for like traditional CG projects, that's definitely rising a lot for us. And that's a lot what we, a lot of what we do currently. Uh, I've got a follow-up question based on what Matt said. So for everyone here, how, what would you say are things about the motion industry in Berlin and in Germany that you really like as compared to other countries that are around, as compared to the U.S.? And what are some things that you would like to see different or that you wish were in this area? Uh, for me, I really like that it's like a super small community. Like for me, I just started out like four or five years ago. And even like at the beginning, everyone was just like super friendly. And I feel like maybe because there's not too many people doing what we do in Berlin or in Germany, it's kind of like everyone knows everyone. And so it's like, it always feels like, like almost like a school reunion when you meet people, but like a cool school reunion, one that you're looking forward to and not like, oh, there's these weird guys from school, but actually people you enjoy meeting and catching up with. So I feel like, I don't know how that's in the US. I can imagine there's a lot more people there. So I don't know if it's the same there, but that's something I really appreciate about the community here is it's so closely knitted that like you pretty much know mostly everyone that does what we do, I think. Uh, the it, the industry seems pretty strong here, or at least the 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 community. Um, where is a good majority of the the work coming from? Is it from you know different companies based in Germany, uh, based in Europe, or are because uh, when we talked to the the group in London, they specifically said a lot of the work that they were getting was from the U.S. and they were struggling because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike. Uh, thank goodness the actor's strike is over. More work for us. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know where is a good majority of the work coming from? I mean, I would say, um, correct me please uh, if I'm wrong, but I would say it's cars. Cars, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I think 90% of my jobs in the last 15 years were around cars because uh, you have this big car manufacturers in Germany. And all their design agencies are usually in the big cities, Frankfurt, 
Munich, Cologne, Berlin. And so, so usually the artists over there doing mostly car stuff. At least that's what, this was the case for me. Um, but yeah, I think the car industry is still huge in Germany. It's uh, probably getting lower. I can see this also on the, on the fairs and auto and car shows happening around and or being canceled around. Um, but yeah, I think it puts, I would say it's mostly car manufacturing. Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store, all thanks to their support. Go check them out at otoy.com. Now back to the madness. Uh, I have a totally different uh, view about that um, because um, they are loud and have a lot of pictures. Um, they're doing fancy commercials with stuff like that. But I think one of the um, most um, pushing people with, with, with money is the um, industry that built the machines that built the cars. You know, the engineering uh, companies, uh, if you, you have in, in, in Germany and in Europe, you have a big, big, uh, diverse, specialized um, company structure that uh, built all machines that you need to build cars or other stuff. You have um, specialized products for, for creating whatever, uh, plastic parts, or, and you need all these machines. And a lot of my work was uh, back in the days, Uh, creating um, an overview why this machine is much better than the other machines um, and stuff like that because uh, giant machines in the size of this room creating whatever one million <laughs> plastic caps for a bottle or whatever and um, they told me it's, it's super super special that you have this feature inside the machine and that Stuff like that, and this is, um, I think, uh, it's, a, it's a giant. Um, oh, no, it's, it's not a loud, loud. Um, it's a sleeping giant. Sleeping giant, something. You didn't see it, but it's there and it's pushing all the time, and uh, it's a lot of money inside that because all the machines get sold internationally for millions. Sometimes, if you have a big machine, it's it's costs millions, and they sell it all over the world to produce stuff. Everywhere, so um, they are not they are not loud. No one knows them, but there's a lot of money because they are the foundation to build everything. Yeah, it's so pretty much business to business, right? That's why to be yeah. not too too not loud. loud, but a lot of money. Yeah, but yeah, in both, <laughs> definitely in both. Yeah, for us, um, just to jump it real quick, uh, for us also mostly German clients and a lot of Mittelstand, as you said. Um, Not to be underestimated, the Mittelstadt is strong. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to say, but the Mittelstadt, no problem. <laughs> but we, we have this, those uh, typical uh, cities for creative people like Hamburg, Berlin and Munich, and they also developed like VFX Studios where they, have, um, they did a lot of Marvel stuff, for example. And also we have, um, at, in advertisement, I'm, I'm doing a lot of those uh, fancy smiling characters for, for Kinder Schokolade or something like that, Capri Sun, etc. So that's, that's also kind of a small industry going on there. But I, I envy, totally envy the international uh, advertisement uh, spots. They are far more creative than the German ones. I have to say that also. <laughs> 
Uh, I find it super interesting what you said because for us, we rarely work with clients in Europe. So we usually work with clients in the US. And I feel like what what I've been seeing the last years on Instagram and Behance and stuff as well, it's like especially like big tech companies pushing in the market and trying to get more 3D work done. So I feel like everyone knows like the Microsoft and Google stuff that has been produced over the last years. I feel like that's a lot bigger for us than than German clients. I don't know why, but we we never get approached by German clients. I don't, I don't know why that is, but for us, it's it's mostly US-based, yeah. But we've we've also seen a bit of a decline and also like budgets get shrunk and then the companies try to like push projects and try to negotiate you down. So we, we definitely see that. Um, yeah. So I find, find it quite quite interesting that I seem to be the only one not working with German clients. <laughs> I would say German clients come predominantly from agencies. So you would get the German clients through ad agencies and then they basically pipe it to, through to you. Whereas like international clients, they come through Instagram and the web and they approach you directly, which is, yeah. But we have a lot of hidden champions and like a Mittelstand with like middle-sized companies in Germany. They also do 3D work sometimes, but they usually go the route through agencies and they then sell them pictures and animations. So, yeah. I think that's really interesting. I, I, I like that a good majority of the work is staying within the country. DJ? I was going to say about, uh, you were mentioning, a lot of people have been mentioning Instagram. In, it seems like in the States, a lot of people are finding a lot of work through posting on LinkedIn. But how is it here? Is it do you find a lot of people reach out to you and find you because of Instagram? And how important is maintaining that social media presence? Because I've I, I talked to some people in the audience and they don't post very much and, and and stuff like that. So I just especially if it's like a big thing to be on Instagram and post on Instagram in this part of the world, like I think people should know that and and any tips and stuff like that. Um, for us, Instagram is the only tool. We try to um, maintain our LinkedIn profile, but it's not very huge right now um, the most of the clients coming through Instagram and the weird thing they're saying they come from Instagram but they're still sending an email <laughs> I don't know why nope never sliding <laughs> perhaps I want to add something to this as well um, well first of all I also have mostly only clients from US so I never work with German clients Somehow, luckily, because German clients can be very picky and they, most of them don't understand a lot what a 3D pipeline is and they think is like, yeah, you can easily switch that. Like, can I see the rendering in, in an hour? And I have the feeling that U.S. clients understand that better. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perhaps because I'm mostly working with big agents. With, yeah, and... Perhaps they notice as well. And the second thing I want to add to is the question about social media. And I think for myself, social media marketing is always like the key strategy for myself. Like get to know people, get to know the community. And also most of the clients are coming to me through Instagram and lazily a bit of TikTok, which is interesting. I feel super old going to TikTok and I don't know what's happening there. But I started to do a bit of that and I got one offer through TikTok. Interestingly, um, yeah, but definitely that's my way to go. And I don't have LinkedIn or anything like this. It's really just uh, social media. What's a good majority of the work? Sorry, what's a good majority of the work that you're doing for uh, clients overseas? 
Um, what do you mean majority? If I can ask. Like, you know. It's mostly big tech companies. Mm -hmm. I would say this is 90%. And I'm in a very good position where I can very freely pick clients because I'm not dependent on anything because I have this tutorial thing going on the backside and this pays my monthly bill. So I can really freely pick only the clients which I enjoy. So I can choose, like, if I like the product of the client, if I like the campaign, if I like the team. And um, so most... If it pays really well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sometimes I'm taking stuff which pays as well pretty good, but really I try to focus on more the creative side. I mean, if I'm already spending so much time on a project, I want the final product to look good. So this is really my number one key of how I pick clients. And yeah, I mean, this is like Apple or Spotify or Google, Microsoft, so mostly big tech. And are those tech companies coming to you or is it through an additional like studio based in the US? It's mostly coming th directly through me. And that, that's pretty lucky because I don't have the middleman in the side and I really, really enjoy working directly with the client because then you get rid of one communication error where you work to the client and uh, let's say you work to an agency and they have a total different image than the client and you work back and forth and back and forth and then the agency says, okay, we are now at a good point to show this to the client and then the client has the same opinion as you and you can make everything backwards and it's just another like unuseful uh, layer of communication. So I really enjoy directly working with clients. I have a question uh, to the audience. How many of you do have a uh, own website? Huh? Okay. An old website? An, an own website where they actually oh, maintain their own website. website. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not just Instagram. I don't mean an Instagram profile. I mean like real website. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more than I thought. Uh, because I just want to say, I, I feel like a relic because I'm still trying to maintain my own website. And um, I'm finding that social media and my website bring me most of the international clients. However, the German ones don't care about it at all. They're kind of like, why do you even have one? Why do you even want the stuff to be shown? Like, uh, most of my German clients come from producers, from agencies or studios, talking between each other and giving each other tips like who to, who to call, who to hire. And it's usually just, we call it vitamin B for uh, who you know. Um, and uh, this, is, this is the way how I usually get approached by German studios is because one producer heard from another like to try this guy out. So how do you break into the industry then? If it's all through word of mouth and not through the work that you're putting out there uh, to get local German you know, clients, how do you break in if it's entirely the producer who it's word of mouth? Well, for me personally, it was that I actually started my traineeship in a studio. And from there on, I mean, I, I, I went from, stud from studying and, being, and having my trainee or like a six-month internship inside a studio. When I was done with, um, with my studying and I got my diploma and did my, with my, my video or my short movie, I went straight into freelance, starting at that studio. And then from then on, it just went on and on. Actually, that's how I met Dino. I was also a trainee there at the same company, met all the freelancers that uh, later recommended me somewhere else. And so that was happening by accident because they didn't know anyone who, do, who does characters. 
And they were just saying, hey, is this guy does characters? Let him do it. And then I got all the jobs. You became the character guy. Yeah, I, I was always the character guy, but nobody uh, knew it before me. And then uh, after having those jobs, I could um, turn this, this kind of uh, dream I have or what I wanted to do, this hobby, into the job itself. So um, with knowing the internship, doing, uh, knowing Dino, it started that um, I also got the jobs and got the experience doing that. And the portfolio later on, and one step after another, I now have this uh, worldwide freelancer client uh, relationships there. That's so interesting to me because it's like it's 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 word of mouth yeah. and like anytime I recommend someone for a job I it, it it's like the entire weight of that job <laughs> kind of feels like it falls on you if they mess up, you know? It's interesting because like I I wonder if and this is just me throwing it out there. Y- y'all can feel free to, you know, say, no, that's not the way it is. Um, I've noticed a few times with some of the people that we pick up on, like studios have picked up on Instagram where they really like the work. But as soon as they bring in someone to do a trial, they just can't deliver in a studio setting, you know. And I wonder if it's if it's more of uh, uh, less risk taking uh, to communicate with a producer or something like that in order to find people versus you know taking a chance and finding someone on instagram yes it's also important to see if the person the artist can provide that um produce that vision in an amount of specified time so because every every time i get contact by the client i have this estimate where i say how long it will take etc and this has to be somewhat accurate and that's the thing when you have private work, you can never tell how long it, t- it took to uh, produce that stuff. And there's, but they're still looking at your reel as a reference for your work, correct? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that's so, wow, that is crazy. To a me. friend of mine has um, his demo reel, Alex, um, from 2014, I guess. He never updated it. Yeah. We did projects to, to, together, and I was so keen on doing good animations, and he didn't put it in. I was a little bit angry with him <laughs> because I, I really tried to do good. But yeah, he never uh, updated it since two, 2014. It's it's the word of mouth. But then. that's a good sign. We usually that say, is a good yeah. sign. Yeah, we usually say if you if you just have an old showreel dead, that's a good sign. If if it's fresh and you make one every year, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's also a good tip. Don't put a year on the on the demo reel so you're ah, not updated. There's a secret right there. I'd love to hear from a producer standpoint. Yeah, I might have a couple of things to add. So, of course, um, I feel the same way. It's a lot of uh, word of mouth and a recommendation from another side, from my side also, when I'm looking for freelancers. I'm a creature of habit, as many other people are, so I kind of like working with the same people. And uh, when I'm picking a new freelancer for a specific thing, if it's um, a specific talent that is required and I don't know this person, I'm kind of scared. First, okay, I don't know. I don't know how they deliver. I don't know how the communication is going to be because that is a big part for me. Uh, I like to work with people that communicate well, that I get along with, uh, where I feel like working together is nice. I don't get like an icky feeling if I see a message uh, or they're weird on the phone. Um, so that's a lot of, of that side. But also from um, my operational side of the business, um, 
it's a lot of word of mouth and a lot of clients that we work with are recurring clients. So we built a relationship there, but it's possible to break through with new clients and make new connections. Uh, I found it super interesting that this year I made a special effort to also reach out to new people that I did not know um, via LinkedIn or via even cold emailing is something I tried out this year. And I found it really interesting how well it worked. Uh, you would be surprised how many people actually answer emails. Um, it's kind of nerve wracking sending them out. But I can only encourage people, try it out, um, get your foot in the door with it. Um, and you never know the connections you end up making. So. I can, really interesting process. I can definitely second that, but from the freelance uh, perspective, because before I started at Maxon, I worked as a freelancer and um, I did an internship when I started in a company in an advertising agency. Then after that, I jobbed for them uh, as a freelancer. And at some point I was like, hmm, I only have one client. That's maybe not good for the future uh, because of various reasons. <laughs> um, so I was actively reaching out to in that case, other advertising agencies, like in the radius of within 100 kilometers or so. And it worked out really good. Um, then in the end, well, I had like three bigger advertising agencies that I was constantly working for and yeah, was uh, booked out. But it's, it's a thing of, yeah, bring your foot into the door and not being shy of, of doing that. Um, the biggest mistake that you can do is to wait for potential clients to contact you. You have to be active. That's an important part. Karan has a question. Yeah, feel free if... Oh, Karan's got a question <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, feel free, if you've got questions for any of the panelists, feel free to raise your hand. Um, and Karan has a microphone that he can grab. Let's hear your question, Karan. Um, my question is more on the point of shyness, or rather a question for Karo specifically, because you're the only female up there. Um, I see there are 25 female out here sitting in the audience. Um, how is it that we can have more female up there? Is it more of a personality thing that they are shy? Because I know there are very good artists out here who are sitting out here because I've spoken to a few of them. Is it more of the opportunity that nobody has reached out to them um, because we would love to? Or is it more of like just a personality thing that they are shy to be on stage and present and talk? And if that's the case, then how do we change it? Is there a way to um, assist them with training or helping them grow in the field? What is your perspective? And it goes to guys as well out there. Like, w what is your perspective about that and the industry in itself? How do we change that perspective that it's a male-dominated society? Because it is not. Because I know an amazing female artist, but I want to translate it by showing it. So how does that work? Karan with the hard-hitting questions right off the bat. Um, yeah, I'm. Not, it's obviously for me a little disappointing to be the only woman on this panel. Um, I only realized that yesterday evening, and I was a little bit like, ah, shit. Um, I would love to see more female artists here, especially because I'm not really representing a female artist coming from another um, uh, from another background. Um, I asked myself this question a lot, um, and I had had no, uh, another conversation with you, Karan, about it, but to put my thoughts into it. Um, there are a couple of things that come together. I don't, 
I think part of it's hard to generalize if um, no, women are more shy or uh, don't feel so invited. I don't know because that is could be so personal. Of course, the socialization of women plays a part into it. But I also think that this industry is male-dominated. I mostly deal with men on a daily basis, even um, at agencies. It's basically always guys, and it feels a little bit like a guys' club in in a certain way. Um, and that's why when I started at Relative, we were also mostly guys. Um, I was the second woman there. We're a team of tw uh, 12 people now. And I made it a priority of making it inviting and prioritizing adding women and, in general, making the team more diverse. And for that, you have to create an environment that is safe for these people um, and to actually communicate to the outside world. Hey, uh, we're open. Please apply. Come join our team. Um, and in the case of the panel, I would say, yeah, maybe it is reaching out a little bit more uh, because there are so many amazing female artists. I see it's really cool that the, at least the audience seems to be 50-50 in a way, I think. Um, that is really nice to see. Um, but yeah, it's an ongoing thing that we all have to put effort into changing this industry to make it a little bit more balanced. One thing that I want to add here is that I already see like a um, like a positive progress there. When I started with Maxon and uh, attended like the first user meetings, it was the guys' club that that you just said. And um, seeing that change, that now the audience is yeah pretty much fifty fifty actually. That's that's great. That's great. I'm super happy to see that. I just wanted to add that. <laughs> Um, personally, um, the third founder of Navota Studio is a woman, mm -hmm. and it is hard for us because um, my heart is pumping. Because we, we, in Germany, we have a synchronization culture. We we saw your American movies synchronized in German, and we have a language barrier. And um, I think the first step maybe it's easier to get a woman panel in German, or even just a solo woman panel. That would be help, I think. Next tour. Yes. That'll be the next tour. Hi. <laughs> I, I want to say something. Mm, I'm not 100% sure, but for, for me, for example, when I have um, to work with marketing teams, they are normally just women. I, I have a few men in the marketing uh, I, when we have uh, talks about specific tasks and with the marketing teams, there's a, a, a really high amount of, of women in this area. I always ask myself, why? <laughs> because um, yeah, normally that could be a task for, for everyone. But I think sometimes it's changed a bit. But I think uh, some, some special tasks um, are, are more attracted to a specific people. Let's say um, uh, when I was a student, um, more than half of the people at my, at my class was a design woman that goes straight into marketing after the media design stu studies. 
and um, the and the people goes to uh, the, the 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 guys goes to uh, programming and 3D and video a lot, and I always ask myself uh, why that uh, that moth, and I think that is um, from the last let's say 20, 25 years. Right now, it changed a bit more, um, but I think there is a, is a big trend that you have um, male and woman-dominated um, working areas just because of the um, main interest the people have. It's opening, for sure. But yeah, it's yeah. part due to the socialization now, because programming and um, these areas are, yeah, we kind of grow up as seeing it as a male activity. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's changing, and uh, but but it was for me it's a it's a super strange when when you go to for let's say it's programming if you have <laughs> with a, working with a programmer thing you, you nearly never talk to a woman because uh, maybe of the socializing uh, socialization thing but um, I um, always think some tasks attract uh, some people more. And I think, I'm not sure if it's 100% so socialization thing. I'm not 100% sure about that. But I, from my perspective, I have the feeling that if it's getting really hard techy, yeah, then you, maybe you, you have that. I'm I, not sure. I do want to throw this out there real quick because uh, Maxon uh, Karan is always looking yeah. for new presenters and stuff. And um, uh, we are always looking to have more females at the show. Please go talk to him after this. If you want to show off your work, that's the first step to getting invited to things like this. And I will say, uh, I, I've been on many of these panels, and uh, the topic has come up, whether it be you know, female or people of color or something like that, uh, uh, getting that out there. The first step being up here shows the others in the audience, oh, okay, uh, there's some, some representation. Let's make it more, you know? Uh, I feel like I wanted to circle back what, what you just said because you said you, you're not sure if, like, maybe the genders are attracted to different fields. And, like, especially in Germany, we have, like, for everyone that doesn't speak German, we have like um, gendered speech, so to say. Like, uh, it's not like every noun has like a male and a female version, basically. Well, most nouns do have. And there are studies in Germany which, which researched if you, like in school, if you teach your pupils jobs, or if you, if you tell them which jobs they could do, if you tell, like, der Astronaut would be like the male thing for an ast astronaut. And if you just tell them this job description so to say most girls would never choose to become an astronaut but if you replace that and also include the female version of the word a lot of more girls would choose that actually so i feel like it's not it's not like a thing that they are not attracted to it i feel like it's more of a thing that especially we should try to work on to make these people feel included in every aspect because i don't feel like men are more drawn to programming than women genetically. It's just, it just depends on how you talk to them. And I feel like it's, a, it's, like, it's weird for like white men to say that, but I feel like it's our responsibility to work on that and it's not the responsibility of other people or minorities to choose these 
techie fields, so to say, if, if you know what I mean. I'm 100% uh, with you about this topic, um, but, but I, I think at the moment we have this, yeah. this setting right now. And I always ask myself, because I'm in this, in this field for over 20 years right now, and, and that, that shapes also the, uh, the, the setting you're working in. So, and the people you're working with and how, how everything uh, is connected to each other. So, and for me, um, I always think um, it's cool if it's changed, but I've, I've uh, seen that a lot of, uh, I'm not sure if it's fully from the, from the, you grow up, you can do that and you, you can do that. But I think there is, uh, from my perspective, my perspective, um, it's that they choose it freely because they, they like the environment more the people For example, from my studies, I have one person that goes to programming. She, she's a programmer, a really great programmer. No one ever asked about that. And, um, and I, I, I ask myself all the time why they choose this, this path. Because they, they, she was also a great designer. But then she worked this way because it's a harder way. And she also always liked the harder way to... To, um, yeah, how can, it's hard to describe. Um, can I intervene yeah, for a moment? Um, can I hear a female's perspective on it? Like, I don't want to keep hearing from a bunch of guys about. <laughs> so if we do have a female in the audience, I would love to hear. Uh, hi, it's me. Um, my name is Carla. I'm a head of motion design at Why Do Birds? So... I'm female and I'm in a leading position of being a motion designer. Um, I used to be a UX designer, so I kind of know a few things about programming. In our agency, we are 50-50, and it happened by accident. We didn't decide to look for women, to have more women in the company just because they're women. We just looked for talent. So, um, yeah, we have 50% male, 50% female, and I think it works really well. We are very happy about having different kinds of gender in our team. And also, I would say, like, the question is also, why did you choose only men for the panel and one woman? Because there are women out there. It's not like they're not here. You just have to find them as well. You say, um, women, please show up and say, I want to be part of the discussion, but also invite women to the discussion to show that they are here, and it's not so much, I'm, I mean, like choosing past, I'm, I'm getting a little bit pumped listening to what you're saying, even though you're trying to be very moderate about it, but it's also like she said um, before, that um, it's sometimes, or like he said, um, smartly, um, that it's uh, sometimes like programmers or um, software engineers or like we were taught that this, these are male jobs and it's not changing just now. It started changing like 10 years. So it's already out there, but you have to give them also a platform to show that they are there. And it's sadly not happened here. I, I don't know why, but maybe you want to say something. I would be happy to answer what you mentioned why female not there because I'm to blame. I'm the, I'm the one who spoke to them and brought them on board. 
Um, I've joined Maxon eight months ago. The first thing I did was look for artists. That's what I do on a daily basis. I'm like a stalker at Maxon, looking for artists. Everybody knows here. All of them, I've slid in their DMs, and that's how I spoke to them. Um, when I look for an artist, I don't look at specific gender, right? But the fact is, it's difficult to find female artists for me on Instagram. I spoke to a few artists right now as well. The feedback I got, oh, I'm not sure if I want to present. So it's that shyness that I felt that is there. My aim is to change that. And that's what I want to do. And that's what my thought is. I want to give that support and, you can say, motivation that you can do it to anybody. Because I know you are here for a reason. You do amazing work, male, female, whatever gender. Show it to the world because you are good at what you do. So that's what, and that's why I asked that question. Is it, is it more to do with how or why, or rather how can I change that? And I need support as well. It's not just I can change everything. I need support from female individuals as well to understand how can we do that more. I want to create a community around it. So I will talk to you about it for sure. If you can help me, absolutely. I'm on board with that. She's had her hand up for a while. Hi, I'm Michelle. Um, for me, I'm just breaking into the industry. So I come from uh, 2D design and breaking now into motion design. And from what I have experienced coming from agencies is that actually the 3D community is way more female welcome than any other industry in agencies. Like I have had to fight tooth and nails to be recognized for my work and often have to put in 125 or 150 percent in to be taken seriously, even though I have the experience, more experience, or am actually even produce better than my male counterpart, or, you know, and um, that is sadly also, like you said, a social thing. Um, I mean, I'm not going to tell my age now, but <laughs> I grew up in a, in a time where you were even separated at school like the girls had to do knitting work and cooking and the boys got to do the fancy stuff with wood and I wanted to do that I wanted to do the technical stuff and that is something that is, has now started to change in um, society but it's started now in the last 10 years it wasn't like that in the 80s or in the 90s it was always you know male-dominated jobs, and it was more the boys that were pushed into those fields while the females were pushed into, oh, but you can draw nicely. Maybe graphic design is something for you. And um, so, yeah, um, I'm very happy to, like, found this community and go into motion design and 3D, and I love the technical part. So I am... Um, feel more comfortable in this part than in the normal agency into D. So it's way more welcoming. I do have to say that even though um, there's maybe only one female on, on the panel there, it is definitely more female welcome. Yeah, thank you for reiterating this point because I think for a lot of men, is it's hard to understand um, why somebody would not choose a certain career that is more technical but yeah from a personal experience as many other women here I didn't even think it was possible or a thing that existed for me um, so of course we have to increase the visibility so that 
younger people actually see it as a viable option. Um, and it's, it's a process that takes years and years and years now until somebody decides to, to be interested enough to study it and then actually finishing and uh, coming to the market. We're going to see a big shift in the next couple of years, but only if we open up the space and make it inviting. I think it's a collective effort. And it's not that hard. <laughs> and um, I just want to speak as a person of color, like for all the females out there too. Um, representing yourselves online goes a really long way as well. Like when I first started YouTube, I didn't go out as I want to be a person of color, showing that we're in the industry. But that responsibility came on my shoulders, right? Because then other people saw me on the line and they're like, oh, we didn't know that black people could be 3D or VFX artists or this and that and a third. So, a lot of artists of color around the world actually hit me up on a daily basis and say thank you just for being the face. And so I think that's really important. Like if you want to kind of take the lead in charge and show other people that, hey, we're out here too, definitely make your online presence. You know, Instagram, YouTube is great, LinkedIn, like different various platforms because visibility goes a long way. You might not know it, but mentally, like it's in our conscious that we don't think we could do certain things because we don't see people of ourselves doing those things. So I would definitely say try to make your presence known and it goes a really long way. Other questions? Hi, you were talking about uh, visibility and uh, online stuff. Uh, I'm a very young artist and I would, was just wanted to ask if you have tips to be more visible online and get more discoverability uh yeah just like just this yeah so for me um i would say i'm most notably known on youtube and that was just because um i like sharing knowledge like i went to university i'm still in school debt and i think knowledge <laughs> you know knowledge is power like if you get in debt the stuff that you've learned onto other people and then they don't have to take on that financial responsibility you're helping a whole other generation of artists that want to do what you want to do. So for me, I just started putting all stuff that I've learned working in Hollywood online. And um, it just kind of like had a life of its own. So I try to do it on a weekly basis, I at least try to put out one tutorial a week and just put it out there. And you never know who's watching on the other end. So if you have a video that might take off or whatever, go viral, then you're starting to pick up your own online persona. Or if you're in like a niche like I am doing Cinema 40 and Unreal Engine, you know, you find other like-minded people that are attracted to your type of work. So it's definitely not um, for most of us. It doesn't happen overnight. It definitely takes some work to get yourself known out there. Some people it does. It's just the way the algorithm works. But I would say, you know, put your stuff out there. Don't get discouraged if you only have like five views or 10 views, because I've definitely been there for a long time. And just, you know, keep doing it as like an afterthought to say like, hey, I want to put something out this week, put it out there and then just forget about it. Don't obsess about it. And, you know, the, you'll reap the benefits sooner or later from it. And Jonathan, uh, I have a question for Jonathan, actually. Um, how much how much is it? Do you have to play the algorithm game, or is it really just content? He doesn't. He doesn't right. play the algorithm game. No, that's not. It, no, do, I, do you have to prepare, or do, do you change your plan somehow? to, to, to Or do you think, like, if I do it this way, then I would probably get more views? Or is it really just, I'm just going to do what I, what I want and no, like I, catch the sketch? Honestly, like, I, I do it just to help. 
And so, like, I put it out there, and if people receive it, cool. If not, then at least it's up there for me because I reference my own tutorials, like, all the time. So I try not to... um, I try not to get caught up in the whole influencer game or whatever, because that's not that wasn't my intent when I started it. Like it was generally just to put it out there and hopefully um, help more people. Like I, I'm a visual learner, right? Like I don't like to read. Like I learned cinema reading a manual back in the day, but that's not the way I learn. I'm a visual learner, so I feel myself out there virtually, and hopefully other people are able to grab that information and learn a lot easier. You know, so. It's not about the um, not about the number of game. It's all about just helping out who might need it. Like they call the content um, evergreen content because you know you post a tutorial, it might not take off because people don't need that particular knowledge at that point. But say maybe like a year or two, someone's googling how do I do this, your video pops up, and then they're able to use that to help them with what they need. So that's what I'm more in it for, just the long term goal of it. Yeah, the number of times I've had to, I've been doing Unreal Engine stuff and have jumped over to a Winbush tutorial because I couldn't remember how exactly the nodes went in the material, so I had to go back and look at it. Also, we were talking uh, the other day, and Winbush was telling me how uh, when he gets an idea or, or, like, figures something out, he just immediately wants to do it. That's why his setup is always ready to go. And I thought it was so funny. He said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll record something and then I'll throw it up. That's why you see stuff dropping at, like, 2 a.m. And I'm like, that is not how you play the numbers game. That's not how you play the algorithm. It was pretty funny. So, yes. Question over here first. Sorry. We'll get to you next. Hey, guys. Sorry. Um, I have a question that's kind of tangentially related to what uh, we've been talking about, diversity and diversity within the 3D community. So as a designer from the Dominican Republic... Uh, one important factor that I've noticed in the artists in my community is that we have this overwhelming feeling of wanting to conform to the uh, Western European ideal of what aesthetics are. So, um, for example, if you tell a Dominican child, any Dominican child, draw a house, they will do a square with a little triangle for a roof, and then they'll do another rectangle for a chimney. But we live in a tropical country. Like, none of us have ever seen a chimney. So why, why do we do that? <laughs> or like, draw an apple, or draw a fruit, and they'll draw an apple. And it's like, most of these kids have never tasted an apple or seen one. So like, why do we do this? So as an artist, I made a conscious effort of putting like a very tropical uh, influence into my, my designs. And then I, I became a little bit conflicted. And I shared this with a lot of my fellow artists back home, which is it kind of boxes you in and limits you. So how do you find this balance? Like, how do you find this unique voice and still conforming to, like, what the clients want and what the, the you know, what the likes and Instagram are giving you? I don't know if I'm the one to answer this, but I have worked. <clears throat> um, I think it's important to find your own voice, and I think what you're doing is excellent. Um, I think I, uh, there's so many individuals who can do the exact same thing, the exact same style, you know? But, for example, you want cutesy big eyeballs like a small tri- uh, nose triangle, eye nose triangle, you go to EJ, right? Because you know that style. I think if you're, if you're focusing on your Dominican Republic background and you're using and you're pulling from that influence, all the more power to you, you know? Anyone 
can can have a knowledge of just general design and stuff, but when you're setting yourself apart to when the client comes along and they're like, I need this particular style, you're the one they go to. So while I, I, I think it's important to branch out and to have, you know, to have a knowledge of all the different styles, I think creating your own brand and who you are is very important. Yeah. Yeah, not to keep talking, but I have a friend that's in a similar situation. Um, her name is Steffi Fung. And so she's, um, she's Chinese, but she was born and raised in London. And so, like, coming up, she's working with, like, Xbox and other platforms. And, yes, she could do the work in the style that they wanted. But she was conflicted with her identity as well as having a Chinese background. And so her personal work was all inspired by her Chinese heritage. And she kept putting that on online. She was doing Twitch streams. She was doing tutorials um, really heavy on Instagram and TikTok. Like, this is the style that I want to be portrayed for. Yeah, I could do the work for hire. But as a, you know, she will also put her own stuff out there as to the point to where now she's known for having that mixture of like British and um, Chinese style in her work. And now companies are coming to her for her particular style to do campaigns. Like she's been on ad campaigns and they're not saying like, hey, we want you to do what we want you to do. We're coming to you for your particular style. So that that's where like having an online persona is kind of important because when clients are looking for something different and outside the box, they might come across your page and say like, oh, we never thought about an artist from the, the DR. Maybe this is something that we want to pursue and try out. So definitely put yourself out there and keep doing what you're doing because I love the tropical weather. You know, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the tropics every year. So definitely keep it up. Okay. Uh, so in terms of breaking into the industry, I've been doing this for two years as a hobby. So I don't really have a niche yet. I'm still in the phase of experimenting, finding what I'm good at. Um, we have been talking about breaking into the industry here. And what you have said is that you're usually looking for a very specific person, very specific skills. Um, of course, if you don't have an art background or illustration background, you don't have that. So in terms of maybe big studios, big agencies, or small agencies, or maybe just as a freelancer, what would be the best way to maybe reach out and get recognized if you don't have a laser focus yet? Because applying for regular jobs, which is my experience, you usually have to have a laser focus of what exactly they're looking for. Um, do you? Go first. Uh, I feel like, especially what, what we do, it's almost more important to be a generalist in 3D and to know a bit of everything and to break into that I would say you, you don't really need to study um, I study which was completely useless but before that I was, <laughs> I was already working and then I thought studying would be nice it wasn't but it, it worked without, without the university as well I feel like if you do good work it's the best thing you could do is just like pretty much befriending people online and just reaching out to people that seem likable or that seem you would get along with them that you like the work of and then just texting with them on a regular basis and trying to build relationship relationships with people um, and I feel like that then leads to what you and, and also the other ones mentioned the connection you have with these people lead to jobs and I feel like that's how it works for most people it's, it's not like studying doesn't give you anything apart from free time to learn 
just reaching out, connecting, and then being friends with people. Come join our Slack channel. We, our Slack channel, the MoGraph Slack channel. There's, there is actually a very big German population on our Slack channel. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. How do you set yourself apart from everyone else who's applying for a specific position? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that is a really good question because there are so many things that go into it. Um, and it really depends on what I'm looking for specifically. But in general, the first thing, it doesn't really matter. Um, like above the technical skill, I want to see a strong sense of design. So there, it, it ha um, somebody, I need to see that somebody is able to create beautiful images. Um, and the technical part comes then later in general. Um, but also in accordance uh, to Yannick, um, I have... For us as a studio, it makes a lot of sense to have 3D generalists. So I, if I see somebody with a different set of um, skills, that is quite interesting. Uh, these two things combined already make, mm, yeah, I don't know, makes me quite excited. Uh, then <laughs> if I see a strong reel uh, and get a sense of, okay, this person is versatile also. Um, there's an... Another component to it, uh, like sometimes we have really specific jobs. Um, and I don't know, I, I had a couple of months ago, we had to animate uh, a lion realistically. And then if I'm looking for help there, um, I would really just go for something really specific, somebody that is uh, keen in animating animals. Um, but in general, more a generalist with a strong sense of design and... If you're talking really specifically what should go into email, I would keep it super short. I really want to see your website uh, or your Instagram. And that is plenty. Two sentences, that's it. Do y'all do, do a lot of meetups here? Are there any meetups here? A couple. There were more a couple of years ago. Yeah, pre-COVID, right? Pre yeah, pre-COVID. I feel like COVID killed all the meetups. Like, I, I want someone... When we leave here, you going to take it over? You going to take the group over? Okay. I always wanted to be a part of it, but I don't find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I want someone here before we leave to be the leader and be like, all right, I'm going to take over the meetups because that's, what, that's what, kind of what we've been pushing this entire tour is how important it is in order to, you know, get to know people locally, uh, all the different artists in your area. And it seems to me like this area is very important for that. So I want someone to take that over. Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers 
to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. Karan, you're going to do that? <laughs> I, I'm always up for that. You all know me. Um, but yeah, um, as Matt said, anybody interested, please let me know. Um, Maxon would support it. We always do. Um, we can always talk to the team internally, discuss logistics stuff, because that's what, we, that's what the aim of this tour is. Um, we did the same thing in London. We did the same thing in Barcelona. And we got a lot of feedback that they want to do more of this. And we are happy to support. So anybody, male, female, we would love to connect with you as well to know more about it. Uh, please reach out and happy to support. Meetups are incredibly important. Like, just like, how, how many work from home? Yeah, you, you got to get out of the office sometimes, right? I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just getting out occasionally, you know, meeting your peers and stuff. Uh, uh, it's incredibly important, not only for, you know, your business sense and running a business, but also your mental health. Yeah, go outside and touch grass, you know, get, get out, of your, out of your office once in a while yeah or even just to connect with people to add to it mm -hmm. um, you, uh, that's something that's quite important for me at our studio we have also like this um, bigger space where a couple of freelancers um, come in and sit together with us even though they're not really part of the studio or even do the same uh, not even part of the same field for example but just this energy of having different peoples with different backgrounds uh, on a daily basis, they not face to face, is so enriching. And there are so many times when we're stuck on a problem and you just go out for a coffee or something, talk to a different person, and suddenly, yeah, it all comes together. Or, you know, the um, the. Um, uh, the solution to your problem. Uh, we definitely have to do more meetups. Yeah, sure. Maybe at our place. We see. EJ, EJ does a monthly meetup in Colorado. And I in, in the U.S., besides like maybe L.A., I feel like Colorado has the strongest presence of... Uh, what the hey, man? Chicago's doing yeah, Chicago, say Chicago. Like, we're so good in Chicago, you don't even count us anymore. It's true. Well, here's the thing, though, is that <laughs> 17 <laughs> years now, well, everyone thinks they have to do this big old thing. It's like literally pick a bar and throw it out there. I know, uh, you know, we have, uh, Winbush and I have friends that they are based in Dubai right now, and they post stuff online occasionally and stuff, and they just put out. A tweet or something like, hey, we're in Dubai and 30 people came out. So you don't know who's out there uh, when, you, when you first do it. And I know Chris has an excellent story about how, like, the Chicago uh, motion graphics uh, meetup started. It was like, when you first did your first meetup, you're like, I want to do a meetup. And you went to a coffee shop and it was you and one other person. The very first one. <laughs> but, like, you kept doing it and then more, if you, if you build it, they will come. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. It's an American movie, but whatever. But I mean, just to say, like, you don't need to do anything crazy. Like, 
connect with all these people. You got Quran here as well. Like Maxon's always out there to amplify. Like we just do it in the back of a brewery with the beer tanks everywhere. There's rats occasionally back there. It's very punk rock, but it's, 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 it, I know a lot of people, like I'm just, I put it on, I'm like, I don't know. Does people get a lot of stuff? And like, people are like, yes. Like you don't even have to do presentations. Like people just want to blow off steam. They have a lot of stress at work. They want to just have a beer and, and just chat. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the advice I would give is like, don't overthink it, just do it. And people will come and then, then you can start to get fancy with it and, you know, do some cool stuff but especially if you have local studios that are willing to do that like that's the hardest part is finding a place that i'll host for free because not a lot of people have budgets and stuff but you know more questions you, you can always bring your own booze right relatively yeah <laughs> hey get your sh- yeah sh- uh, no we actually did the first open studio was last year that was quite fun um but yeah to organize and provide everything that was a bit of a hassle but beautiful experience now it's always so fun. Um, as we had said before, it's, it feels like a class reunion. Uh, yeah, we meet, we meet there. Yeah. yeah. No, I met Chris at the Open <laughs> Studio for the first time. Um, yeah, we have to put a bit more effort into it. Um, sooner or later. It doesn't take much. Just go to a bar. Just say, hey, we're meeting up here. Anyone who wants to come. No, yeah. and uh, you have actually a meetup, no? We? Uh, Chris, weren't you? We with? have. Ah, okay. I thought you had a meetup. Yeah, we we ha- we have a little buddy group, so that's another problem. But um, the third founder, Sabrina, has also a little women's group. So maybe you can talk to her later. She sit here. <laughs> there. We had a question in the back. I, I suppose there are meetups here. It's more of uh, informing people because Berlin is not a small town. It's a big city. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more about marketing it or word of mouth. Now that you have around 70 or 100 odd people here, inform everyone what that is and just let them know when it is so people can show up. <laughs> yeah, what's Please? the website? Where can we go? So they, they have a group on meetup.com. On meetup, there's a group called Design and Animation, and it's a group on meetup.com. So if you're on Meetup, please join and follow the group. Come, come find me after. Let's talk about the new MoGraph site. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to completely change things up. What would y'all like to see more in our industry? Cool. It's perfect. Industry is perfect. Don't go changing. Right? Do you mean visually or uh, in terms of the community? Software-wise, uh, community, any uh, higher pay. Yeah, higher pay is good. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'd love to see more uh, more different stuff. Uh, sometimes I feel like the all super polished 3D look is uh, more or less kind of the same-ish thing. And I feel we can all be a bit more um, more brave and really go into our own styles and really, yeah, really go for it and instead of just trying to, to fit in. Okay, so I'm going to ask this question. I hate talking this subject, but I feel like it'll fill up the next 10 minutes. Don't do <laughs> You know what I'm doing. No, I, well, you mentioned different styles. You mentioned different styles. And here's, here's something that I, I will say. We're, we're going to talk AI. I'm sorry. Yeah, Sierra. No, no, no. I don't want to talk about it killing our jobs because it's most definitely not going to. Um... I have found an interesting thing when using AI for like inspiration or something or watching some of this new AI generated work 
it's almost creating its own style on its own. And I'm curious what y'all think about that. Is that going to be a style that people try to mimic, you know, or is it just, oh, this is just temporary. Eventually, uh, here comes each. Oh, no, you're just reaching for water. I thought you were I thought you were I thought you were going to get into it. Here he goes. Well, I mean, well, well, no, I'm going right, to do something. Uh, I, well, I mean, we, uh, what was that Marvel, uh, the an inv- uh, uh, secret invasion? Yeah. And it does have a very, a, a very data moshy, kind of, but even data moshy is like a style that was a byproduct of like weird crap happening on your mo- monitor, right? And so I just feel like this, this right now current version of AI video is going to be its style and it to itself. Um, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that it looks that bad today, but that's the worst it's ever going to look is how it looks today. So it's only going to improve. But I think like, yes, in the hate, like, I guess in the quote unquote, you know, big hype uh, era of AI that we're in right now, like, yes, absolutely. That's going to be a weird style that people are going to try to emulate just like nostalgia of like TV scan lines. Like, good Lord, how many TV scan line things did you have to the do? VHS like in the 2000s, Come on. Yeah, VHS, that's why, red giant, that's why uh, I get filters red and, giant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all for the VHS filter. <laughs> Eventually there may be, maybe, maybe red giants going to make an AI filter to where it'll add extra fingers, you know, <laughs> or like an, an additional arm somewhere. That'd be rad. All right. Uh, tell me y'all's thoughts on AI. Let's hear it. Or not. <laughs> I just use it for answering emails and, and um, getting my calendar organized, but I don't use it for inspiration. Really? What, why is that? <laughs> I'm a little bit shocked about the look. It's, it's always, if I see an gen, gen, uh, AI-generated picture, I immediately see it it's totally generated and i don't like the look it's not i mean yeah it's it's totally fascinating that you can create everything in just a second but that's what i like my head for that that's that's the fun part of my job and i don't want to be spoiled by a machine you know i almost feel like with you when you do mid-journey, you almost have to know a little bit about what you're looking for. If you just put in cartoon dog, it's going to give you the same shit every single time in some random, like, generic style. Like, that's why I'm like, I canceled my mid-journey subscription. I use the hell out of Pinterest to this day because you're getting influence from different artists, right? And then always what I like to do is go and dig deeper and ask people like oh who influenced this artist and it's always a mosh of like a bunch of other different artists you go up the like the family tree the creative family tree of like someone's like style and how it ended up i always find that influences my work a lot more because especially if you're trying to find your own style out there and that's kind of like its own separate side conversation how important is that uh but i personally like finding my own style by and it's I find my own style just by discovering and realizing ooh I like like the giant eyeball things and like I I gravitate towards that and I know that's my thing for some reason Um, and I find that's very important artistically and creatively because it's almost like if you find your own creative persona you know a style and you you can easily break at least for me that blank page blank page syndrome 
uh, and, and just kind of get working and sketching things out. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of abstract, um, crazy key visual stuff. And the best things happen when Cinema 4D has an error. It's like, oh, that looks cool. I don't know how that happens. Except when it like, completely closes. Yeah. That, that error like, I don't allow. <laughs> okay, I like it. <laughs> My free time. And with Midjourney, it's like, abstract light uh, i don't know it's not it's not my my way of thinking i mean i would add to that i mean we've been trying to to train networks i mean use it as a production tool so reference own um, images that we had like collected over years and also to use it as like you feed 3d input into it um, and also to be able to really as a generate a lot of stuff but based on our own style make super simple setups in 3D and run it through stable diffusion with your own trained networks. And this is where I think AI can be a useful tool for us overall. I mean, I'm, I fully agree with the mid-journey. It's not fun anymore. Um, yeah. What I really like to do is let it program some Python effectors. That's really cool. <laughs> and also for scripts for After Effects, for example. I have uh, very little clue about programming, but uh, ChatGPT really uh, lets me think like a developer, almost. <laughs> uh, the new GPTs that you can put in uh, ChatGPT, we had someone on our Discord today say uh, they loaded up, they created a bunch of individual GPTs where they put the uh, C4D manual in one of them, the Houdini manual in another, and it's like, read and reference this. I thought that was pretty cool because I have found that uh especially as like a learning tool you know it's uh chat gpt lies a lot I, I was i was like a few months ago maybe a year ago when it first got really big i was like okay i'm gonna use chat gpt to learn houdini right so i was like okay this is gonna be great so i start asking it questions i'm like my biggest downfall with Houdini is I don't know what the F the nodes are, right? It's like, I know how I want to accomplish this, but I don't know what node is, what the name is. Um, so I'd ask ChatGPT, hey, how do I do this? And they're like, oh, yeah, throw this node down, throw this node down, connect this, add this. And I start searching, and the node just doesn't exist. It just lied to me about what to do. So I, I think, you know, at least currently... I don't know. I, I would love to see what it is once you actually input the manual into it and say, okay, here it is. Now tell me how to do something like that. Because being able to get back instant answers instead of going through Google and searching through page after page and then reading someone's diary of what they did, you know, on vacation one year before they came up with a solution for, you know, buttered crackers or something like that, you know. Yeah, I'm going to help you promote your own website. So <laughs> instead of using AI to figure out Houdini, you do have a course on Houdini. <laughs> so you should have referenced that instead of ChatGPT. So just saying. So, yeah. We do. It's a 40 hour course on Houdini. It's excellent. You can pick it up at mograph.com slash classes. You're just set, yo. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, Winbush also has a course on our site as well. MoGraph.com slash word. <laughs> I think as an educator, uh, like I've been following some of the YouTube stuff that's happening. There's like something, YouTube's working on its own AI. Number one, 
to translate a tutorial into any language. So I just think of like me personally, I know there's a lot of like people from China or all over the world that are like, oh, I like to watch your tutorials, but I have to do all this work to like translate it and add my own subtitles and stuff like that. So, you know, Winbush saying knowledge is power. I'm very excited to like anyone in the world can make a tutorial. It doesn't matter that there's it's in Spanish or it's in any other language. Like you can watch it if you want to. Um, and there's also going to be something that where you can actually interact with the video itself. So you can like ask the video a question and it'll use AI and like all the other YouTube videos on that subject. and will help you answer the question. Like, did you know Blender is free? And they will answer that. <laughs> yes, we did know that. Um, so all that kind of stuff. That's funny. That's interesting. I never, I, I'll, I'll yeah, tell you. it's free. Can I, you believe it? No. <laughs> oh, the YouTube thing. I, uh... Man, I, I'll tell you what, I am, I, I am continually amazed at how much, and I feel like I'm getting left behind. Does anyone else feel that way? Like, I'm, I'm almost 41 years old, and I, I feel like an old man. Like, all this new technology, and I'm like, I don't know. I see the Don Allens of the world, and I, I feel like I'm totally behind. All right, cool. On that note... <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for joining us in Berlin for this DAT show. Um, I want to I wanna give a big thanks to all the panelists um, for uh, coming up and speaking their mind, um, and especially all the audience. It's been a wonderful chat. Uh, we appreciate everyone coming out. Um, if you want to know where we're hanging out uh, afterwards, hit up EJ or Chris. They know. I do not know. I'm going to be tearing this whole place down. So I can say it. It's the muted horn. Just Google muted horn. Muted horn. It's not the one in some other country. It's the one in Germany. So if you couldn't get tickets and you're watching this live right now, that's where we're going to go hang out. So <laughs> there we go. Um, so yeah, on that note, uh, make sure to check us out online, MoGraph.com. We got classes, tutorials, podcasts, lots and like 10 years worth of podcasts. Uh, at least 10 of them are good. So, uh, and on that... I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And this was Dat. Thank you. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, Seagraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. We gotta stop this thing, Rick! It's gonna kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame, frame what?
MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous! Branch into new software, learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it! We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.